Have you gotten to the place in life where fact is just more incredible than fiction? These are taken from actual insurance forms with people claiming the reason for their accident. Direct quotes. Going to work at 7 a.m. this morning, I drove out of my driveway straight into a bus. The bus was five minutes early. You're laughing because I'm bailing you out. I know why you're... I didn't think the speed limit applied after midnight. Some of you are not laughing because that's what you think too. Accident. Accidents can happen due to distractions. And guess what, folks? Here's the big distraction of our lives. Just think, a cell phone just got an amen. I mean, that's pretty incredible. As <laughs> soon as we wake up, we check our phones, assuming we know where it is. We stand in line at the store to check out. We're checking our phone. We're waiting for a friend at a restaurant. We're checking our phone. We're even checking our phone. It didn't ping. It didn't ring. But maybe I missed something, so I better look at it. Statistics say that the average person spends five to six hours a day on their phone. From 2013 to 2020, accidents caused by cell phones have doubled. Because we're not looking or seeking somewhere else. Why are we so easily distracted? You know what I found out? The average adult's attention span is eight seconds. So I've lost 90% of you already. I get that. <laughs> the average adult's attention span is eight seconds. A goldfish is nine. <laughs> Can you believe it? We have a limited attention span because we want instant results, don't we? We want the latest update. We want the latest version. We want the latest model. And when it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen on our time schedule, our thoughts go elsewhere. And even as believers, even as people who claim the name of Jesus, we're easily distracted. God didn't do it our way, and so we begin to doubt. I didn't sign up for this at this time in my life. I've been through this before. I'm not ready to do this again. It's too hard, Lord. It's too demanding. It's mentally and emotionally and socially, we're spiritually beaten down, and so we're distracted. We're, fit, we're fatigued and distracted and lost because we're looking both ways. Let me say that again. We're fatigued, distracted, and lost because we're looking both ways. We've lost our direction. We've lost our purpose. We're using the wrong GPS we're looking left and right rather than straight ahead. Looking both ways might be a safe way to cross, but it's not the way of the cross. For the moments we have this morning, I'd like you to walk with me through Proverbs chapter 4. But watch your step. It's incredibly practical. Was Derek Kidner who said, Proverbs' functions is to put godliness into working clothes. To put godliness into working clothes. 
And brothers and sisters of Gulf Coast, I believe this morning God has a message for us out of Proverbs 4. Timely and relevant for us. We're going to look at verses 20 to 27, but at the beginning of the chapter, Solomon writes, Listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother. Listen to a father's instruction. When I was a boy in my father's house, what's happening here are like three generations of faithfulness being passed along and advice and counsel. First thing I'd like you to consider this morning with me is this. Regardless of your age, it's essential for you to pass along to others what you're learning, what you're walking through, and what you're struggling. Ryan, you just referred to that as community. We've had that happen. We had Mike share a little bit this morning. Austin shared a few weeks ago. Jeanette shared a couple of months ago. People coming up and telling their story. Regardless of your age, it's essential for you, it's essential for us to pass that along. Please do not use your age as an excuse. You are not too old and you're not too young. Don't let others use your age as an excuse. We need to ask and we need to listen. There is a multi-generational need for spiritual boldness. For us to come clean. For us to reveal. For us to talk and to share what it's like to walk with the Savior in this day and age. Because we know it's not easy. I'm an only child. When I was... yeah to us I'm young I'm like eight or nine years old and I have to go with my mother to the ladies department of the store not a lot to do for a nine-year-old boy those days it was safe to roam off and so I would play the great game of going up the down escalator all these people are coming this way and this little nine-year-old brat's trying to go up it's a challenge but I've thought isn't that kind of the life that you and I are called to, we're going up the down escalator. The world and its momentum and its priorities are coming this way. And the majority of your people are coming this way and we're trying to work our way up. That's why we need each other. It is important for us to share where we are and what goes on. However, remember this, you cannot impart what you don't possess. So be careful of what you allow God to do in your life. I have three grandsons. Jeanette and I have three grandsons. They live in Nashville. Elijah's 12. Gideon is eight. Shiloh is three. Once a week, because my daughter is homeschooling them, once a week, I get like 20 minutes of Bible time with my two guys, the older guys, Elijah and Gideon. I knew from the start, if we were going to do this, we're going to have to make this interesting. I'm not there. We're Zooming. We're trying to get the attention of a 12- and an 8-year-old boy. And so I said, guys, we need to, I knew we, we needed to make it fun. We're going, we award points, and I've had more time. I'll tell you what they do with the points. But I said, I knew they couldn't compete against each other, so they had to be a team. So that was week one. I said, you guys have to form a team, and next week, come and tell me what your team name is. All right, Pop-Up, we got it. Next week. All right, guys, what's your team name? Pop up. 
We are the Bible ninjas. <laughs> All right, Bible ninjas it is. And I spend 20 minutes with them each week. We go over a verse they memorized the week before. And I get to with Jeanette and I say afterwards, I go, I'm not sure if I got through it all. They're distracted. They're looking at the things. And in the meantime, the three-year-old brother's looking in the screen going, hi, Pop-Pop. <laughs> but you know what I'm convinced? I'm planting seeds. I'm planting seeds of the truth of Scripture. And that's what you and I do with each other, multi-generationally. You look at Proverbs 4, it's not the words of a timid and insecure parent or a fearful big brother or little sister. We here at Gulf Coast need more of a spiritual boldness in our family. Let's share. And, and let's be honest. We would love to share, when we come up and tell our story, we'd love to tell just the victory. But when you're struggling, you know what? I think I relate to you more then. Because sometimes, and I love the stories, don't get me wrong, I wish we continue to need to do more. But sometimes somebody gets up here and they share their story of where they've come from and where they are now. But if you're one that's still struggling, you're thinking, oh man, I'm the loser. Let's be bold to share when we struggle. Let's let other people come around. Let's let other people pray and support for us. Let's bring us together. And to share that. There's a crying need for you and for me to share what we've learned and are learning. Stop again believing the idea that you're too old or you're too young. Why did Paul have to write to Timothy? Timothy, don't look down. Don't let the world look down on you because you're young. Why did he have to write that? Because it was happening. Your part. It's now time for somebody else. Folks, if we had done our part, if God was finished with us, we wouldn't be talking right now. He'd have called us home. So therefore, whatever age you are, chronologically or spiritually, you have something to share with us. Share it. Take that boldness. Don't let age or physical limitations limit your ability or your desire to pass on your spiritual lessons and how you share and how you serve and how you write. If you're a blogger, blog. Let us learn together. Let's walk together in this. Some years ago, Jeanette and I were on a cruise, and I met a man who was part of a staff of a megachurch in California. And I asked him how it was going, and he said, you know what, Bruce, they asked me to kind of start a new satellite campus. And we did. And he said, it wasn't the design, but it seems like we have attracted just people later in life, 55 and above. And I said, well, what's that like? He said, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. He said, but every week, you know, we're renting a facility. So every week we got a truck and a trailer. We got to bring our chairs and all our setup to come to the facility. And he said this to me. He said, Bruce, we got a team of guys in their 80s who unload that truck every week. Man, may their tribe increase. May they be continue. May we continue to be people either spiritually, physically. Let's do what we can do for the kingdom. Let's finish strong. Let's go where God's led us and keep going. Solomon's words in chapter 4 of Proverbs, Listen, pay attention, do not forsake my teaching, get wisdom and understanding. What he's saying? Don't be shy in sharing. Don't think you don't have something to say. You do. Jesus is working in you. You've got something to say. 
Don't be shy in sharing, but don't be surprised if it's not heeded. We're a bunch of hard learners, aren't we? How many times have you gone back to the Lord and say, Lord, it's me again, and we're doing the same thing again? So just because we share, don't get bent out of shape if people just don't immediately jump to it. Just share anyway. That's the responsibility we have to share. We're hard-headed learners. Don't stop imparting godly wisdom regardless of your age. Brian, I was thinking as you were sharing this morning, wouldn't it be great during our five-minute break that we'd all just take the time to share what God's doing in our lives with somebody else? Pick one thing. Hey, I just want to tell you what God's doing. This is what I'm struggling with. And that would be part of our conversation, whether somebody new, somebody you've never met, or somebody you know well. Hey, let me just tell you what God's doing. You know what that does? That brings us together. That galvanizes us. A unity of generations of spiritual heritage transmitted by personal influence, testimony, and relationships brings community and family. We're united. You're not in this alone. Do not think that the Christian life was designed for lone rangers. You know, I realize that you have to be a certain age even to understand that analogy. But you know what? If we stop sharing and we stop serving, we stop loving. If we stop sharing and we stop serving, we stop loving. Jump down to Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 20. We'll spend the rest of our time there. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only, ways, take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or left. Keep your foot from evil. In those few verses, look at this anatomy of discipleship. Above all else, 23, guard your heart. The vault for treasures of wisdom that need to be protected. Why does Paul say we need to take every thought captive? Verse 24, our mouths and our lives are the conduit of the water that flow from our heart and what we speak. Verse 25, for our eyes were to look straight ahead. Verse 26, our feet, the actual action from the heart and the eyes. It all flows together in who we're to be. Please note that Solomon, like the theme throughout Scripture, it's a focus on the total person, not just one part. Hopefully we have learned in the ministry of Jesus that Jesus cared for the whole person. How many times was he concerned about feeding people, whether it's the multitudes or an individual, after he healed them? He's concerned about the whole person, so should we. And as God works in our lives. So therefore, we there need to be purposeful steps taken. Verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart. The input on all fronts. Therefore, you and I need to guard what we read, what we watch, and what we listen to. Be careful. Careful what you read. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what podcasts you listen to. Now, 
I'm a believer that I think we need to know what the world is into so that we can relate to them, but that doesn't mean we step in there with them. But we need to know. Figure out a percentage of the time of the things that you read and watch and listen are of spiritual nature and those that aren't. Verse 24 says, put away perversity from your mouth. You know what I have figured out? That is a characteristic of God's people right from the beginning of Scripture right up till now. You know what we're good at? Grumbling. We are good grumblers. We don't have to think about it. We never took a class on it. We're just good grumblers. It's easy to complain. It's easy to whine and groan and moan. And you know why we're good at it? Because we don't keep it to ourselves. You know where you and I need to be taking our groaning and moaning and grumbling? Take it to God. Tell him. It's not like we're telling him anything new. Oh, Bruce, I didn't know that. You were upset about that. One of the great parts of Scripture for me is Jonah chapter 4. We're done with the fish. We're done with repentance. We're done with Nineveh. And Jonah chapter 4 in kind of the RSV, meaning Reynolds Standard Version, Jonah says to God, see, I told you this was going to happen, and it stinks. These people repented. I don't like it. Man, I love that. Be honest with God. If you got grumbles, go grumble to God. Go tell him. Now, remember, just because you grumble doesn't make you right and God wrong, but at least tell him. Put away perversity from your mouth. Beside grumbling, flippancy. Be careful of that. Sarcasm. Man, I got a PhD in sarcasm. I am really good at sarcasm. Be careful of that. Oh, and here's one. You and I are to put away perversity from your mouth. Gossip. Gossip. But some of us are sitting there and say, you know what? I don't say those kind of things. You might not, but do you listen? Are you listening? Are you taking in all that and absorbing it? When's the last time you and I either walked away from somebody who was gossiping about whatever or about an individual and said, hey, why don't you go talk to them? As a matter of fact, I'll go with you and let's talk about it. No, we would rather gossip. Solomon, as he's trying to teach, says, put away perversity from your mouth. Grumbling, flippancy, sarcasm, and gossip. Then he says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze. Know what your priorities are. Look straight ahead. You have to take this by faith, but when I was in high school, I ran cross-country. Acoustics are bad. It takes a while to get back there. <laughs> and one of the things that my track coach told me over and over again, he said, Bruce, stop worrying about the guys behind you. Just focus on the next guy in front of you. You cannot run as fast doing this as you can doing this. Fix your eyes straight ahead. Verse 26, make level your path. Have a sense of direction. Know where you're headed. And watch out for potholes. Things that make you stumble. 
If you make level your path, there are certain people and there are certain places you need to avoid. They bring you down. You and I will try to rationalize that we're witnessing to them, we're going to bring them to the Lord, and all those kind of things. And that might happen in God's grace, but more times than not, they bring us down. Be careful of your potholes. Or certain places, whether in reality or virtual, that you're going that you're not walking on a straight path. Hopefully you realize that the path of obedience is not well-worn. It's a path less traveled. And you might look around at times and as you walk on the path of obedience and following your Savior, there's nobody else there but you and the Lord. Keep walking. Keep walking. You and I live in a lost world eternally. Their path and their eyes aren't straight ahead. Often there are people who are lost in the world and they don't even know it. We can all relate to that. Ever been lost and you didn't know you were lost until you didn't end up where you were? Mostly that's men because we didn't ask for direction. I understand that. (laughs) But you're lost. We have people headed in the wrong direction. They never heard the gospel. And ladies and gentlemen, let's get through the reality of the fact there are people who are lost at this hour, this morning, who are in the walls of a church, but they're not hearing the good news of Jesus. But they think they've checked the box because they've gone to church. We live in a world that's lost. They're wandering. They're headed in the wrong direction. When Solomon's talking to His son, toward the end, had said, do not swerve to the right or the left. There are a lot of people, lost people, who are swerving, and some intentionally. They're going to the left or the right, extreme left or right, because they're looking and groping and grasping for hope or peace or joy or love or just meaning to my life. Help it make sense. And we know that it's in this book. There's the one and the only one who gives meaning to life. But you and I live in a world of lost people, and we need to be aware of that. There are also people that are lost within the walls of the church, internally, but they're disoriented, they're drowning. They slowly drift away, and perhaps you've been in that place before, and you find that the hardest Sunday to miss worships the first one. And the second one gets a little bit easier, and the third one gets a little bit easier. Then you've got a pattern started. Mother knocks on the door of her son's bedroom on Sunday morning. It's time to get up for church. No, I'm not going. It's time to get up for church. No, I'm not going. She opens the door and she said, you're in my house. We're going to church. He said, I'm not going. Oh, really? Son, give me two good reasons why you're not going to church this morning. He said, I don't like the people and the people don't like me. He pulls the cover up and rolls over to the other side. He says, give me two good reasons why I should go to church this morning. She says, you're 47 years old and you're the preacher. 
Don't kid yourself that every Sunday it's easy to come to church. You know it and I know it. That's where we continue to move forward. That's why we need to be here because you're encouraging and supporting one another. If you do nothing on Sunday morning but occupy that chair, you've done a lot. Number one, you took the discipline, and discipline often has to precede desire. You took the discipline to get there. Number two, it's very possible that the people in your apartment complex or in your dorm or in your home or in your neighborhood saw you back out in your car at 9.30 in the morning to get to church. That's a witness. That's a testimony. You come here and sit here. You encourage us because you're here, and we're in it together. Sometimes discipline has to precede desire. It's tough. It's hard. But we need to be here. And now let me say something to you watching. I am very concerned that the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide, there is a post-pandemic epidemic. And the epidemic that has started with the pandemic and has continued, I'm calling PJC. It stands for pajamas and caffeine. (laughs) Pajamas and caffeine. There's a place I'm getting that I almost want to be screaming about streaming. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Does the fact that we in most churches stream to people is a bad thing? No, it is a great blessing to people who are shut in, people who are medically compromised, people who are out of town, people who just returned from the hospital. It's a great thing. But too many people who have no problem going to Target on Tuesday choose not to come to church on Sunday because it's easier to sit in your gym shorts and get another cup of coffee. I'm not saying this is true for all of you, but for some of you, you're telling us you're worshiping when you're checking your email while we're singing. Some of you are more concerned about surfing the net when the sermon gets to a place that it's boring. And I just lost seven people right now. (laughs) Be very careful you don't get into those patterns. Jeanette and I had dinner with some friends we've known for a while. And now they live in West Virginia and he's part of the, he's the executive pastor of this church. And I said, how big is your church? And he said, before COVID? And he said, yeah. And he said, about 3,000. He said, well, no, after COVID or now we're into there? I said, no, he said, about 1,000. Put that on any ratio, any scale, and I'm convinced every pastor in America, every elder in America will tell you we've lost people and we don't know where they are because they're out there. We need you to come back, and you need us. Isn't it interesting in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the writer says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That verse fascinates me. You know why? Because back then, when the church we all think was the golden age, they had this problem. They had to write that verse. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. If that wasn't an issue, that verse wouldn't be there. And it's carried through all the ages. And we get the line sometimes, well, I can worship God on my boat or on the golf course. I think he's worthy of that. I don't think you do it. 
We need each other, and we need you physically to be here so we can support one another. Verse 25 again, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you and make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or left. Keep your foot from evil. Brothers and sisters of Gulf Coast, are we looking both ways rather than straight ahead? Are we more concerned of this and this than this? Are we looking left or even behind to once what was? You don't have to be around here long to know that Gulf Coast Community Church has a rich and deep biblical heritage, both inside and outside the walls. People have come to faith in Christ here. Maybe that's you. But in more recent years, we've had some pains and some wounds and some scars. Some are still fresh. They hurt. Still tender. There's need for healing. But be very careful that you don't keep staring in the rearview mirror. You stare in the rearview mirror for too long, you end up with life in the past lane. Or what once was. Regardless of what is or isn't in that mirror, what has or has not happened, Gulf Coast Community Church is his church, and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is his church. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Keep looking ahead. Stop looking both ways. Others of us are not looking in the rearview mirror or left. We're looking right. Right at the elders, past and present. We're glaring. We're glaring at the past elders who have left and we feel forgotten or betrayed. They might be the only spiritual leaders you have ever known in your walk with Christ. But because you were nurtured by their ministry, they would encourage you to follow him, not them. Keep your eyes focused, not to the right. Some of us are glaring at the present elders. We're expecting them to rescue, right the ship, right now. Make it like it was, when it was comfortable. Can I encourage you to lose that word in your Christian vocabulary? The Christian life is not designed to be comfortable. Get over it. You and I would love to have our spiritual lazy boy recline it and put our feet up and live here on earth. That isn't it. The Christian life is hard. It's difficult. It's going up that down escalator. If the Christian life was comfortable, why did he send a comforter? So lose that past. Being comfortable and in our comfort zone. I can promise you nobody wants to get you out of your comfort zone and me out of mine more than Jesus. Because when we do, we got to trust him, not the zone. Many of us are glaring at the present elders, blaming them for what we perceive is wrong. May I encourage you to stop staring and glaring. 
And instead of glaring and staring, might we be more caring? When's the last time that you prayed for any of the elders by name before the Lord? When's the last time you went before the Lord and you prayed for them by name? And oh yeah, by the way, their wives. See, we're good at grumbling. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we're to live by faith, not by sight. And in looking both ways, we're not only staring and glaring, but I'll tell you one other thing else we're doing, we're glancing. We're staring and glaring, and we're glancing. And you know what we're glancing at? Other churches that we think are flawless. Oh, if you know, and you fill in the blank. Whether it's a church here in the area, whether it's a church in another part of the state, and a church you came from, church that your cousin goes to, and all of a sudden we tend to think, we're the only church that's got stinking problems and everybody else is having a great time and it's flawless. Nonsense. I can take you to church after church in this area who's struggling with things, whether it's financially, whether it's spiritual, whether it's dealing with a building, whether it's dealing with the denomination. You fill in the blank. Remember, there is no perfect church. And if you find one, don't join it because you'll wreck it. <laughs> We're imperfect people. You got people, you got problems. That's family. That's why we are family. That's why we admit that. When we look either to the right or the left, we're not looking straight ahead. We're distracted. Our vision becomes cloudy. We're going in the wrong direction and we're distracted. And we miss seeing what God is doing in us and for Gulf Coast. Looking both ways is not the sight line of faith. When we guard our hearts, when we make level paths for our feet, when we let our eyes look straight ahead, and when we fix our gaze directly before us, we then unite ourselves, our time, our energy, our focus, our lives, as a family within the church. Stay focused, Gulf Coast. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that this is your church. Thank you that you have adopted us into your family. We're part of it. And you know what, Lord? Our church is messy. So are we. And yet you still continue to love and redeem and forgive us. Oh, Father, strengthen us in your grace. Humble us in your spirit. And remind us to not look both ways, but to look straight ahead. To the one who stands before us. To the one who loves us. The one who redeems us. And the one who wants to use us for his kingdom and his glory. May that be true in each of our lives and in the life of our family here at Gulf Coast. And it's in your name and for our sake we pray. Amen.